Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our Season 5 premiere. I honestly cannot believe it's already the fifth season of this show. Let me just start by thanking everyone who supported the show over the years, whether you're a patron or just giving us a rating or a review on the various platforms, or even if you're just a regular listener, I appreciate all of you. I haven't mentioned this in a while, but I'm always looking for ways to improve the show as well. So if you have any suggestions, constructive criticism, a thick skin, by all means, reach out to me on Twitter, Joe underscore Fisketti 5 Let me know, you know, if you want anything to change, if you want to see anything new, I'm happy to explore different ideas. All right. On today's episode, we are going to talk about some of the big stories surrounding Napoli at the moment. That includes De Laurentiis finally releasing Cristiano Giuntoli so he can become the new sporting director of Juventus. That includes Kim Min Jae's imminent departure and his likely replacements or who we think might replace him. I don't think anyone is likely at this point because it seems to change on a daily basis who the, the main person to replace him is going to be. And then we also had the Serie A schedule release, which by some miracle happened a month and a half before the start of the 2023-24 campaign. So who knows, maybe Serie A is finally getting its act in order. I am joined by a couple of guests to help me out with all of that, and both are fairly regular guests on the show I'll start with Vincenzo Bertillo, fresh off of filming his new short film. Vincenzo, how are you doing? I'm great, Joe, and I'm happy to be back and with Steven for the first time. But I want to say congrats on starting the fifth season of the show. And I think, you know, it's not a coincidence. Napoli's finally winning now that the show's really you know, building its momentum. So let's keep it going. 
I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the timing actually worked out great for a, a Napoli podcaster. You couldn't have really planned it any better. I mentioned you're filming a show. Why don't you just quickly tell the listeners, you know, what's, or sorry, a movie. It's not a, a show. A, a film. Yeah, it, it's you know, what's a it short... about? When when do you think it's gonna? When do you think it's gonna come out? I know you yeah. got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, thanks for mentioning it. Yeah, I just finished a, filming a short film. It is cultural related. It's about an Italian Canadian. Uh, so, well, a guy who was about to become a soccer player, but who has in the past, before the film starts, been injured and he starts the film depressed and he's kind of dealing with this. So there is a slight relation to the topic. And uh, I was able to sneak in a little Napoli memorabilia in there and some little cameos and stuff. But I was just excited to get back to filming after the COVID period. And as the post-production process gets underway... I'll keep you posted with the show and maybe next year when it's all finished and ready to be seen, we can talk about it more in depth. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll make sure to remind everyone closer to the release date that it's coming out soon. Just, I just wanted to throw it out there because I know this is something you've been working really hard on. Our second guest also happens to be a lover of film, particularly of the international variety. Stephen Kashevich, welcome back. Great to be back on and yeah, congratulations on such a long time doing the podcast. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of research and what things that people probably don't realize. So yeah, congrats. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I always mention this, but people can't see the camera, but you have a little Korean flag behind you all the time. And that's because you lived in South Korea for a bit. So you developed an affinity for Korean TV and movies. And we have our own Korean drama happening at Napoli right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that on the show, but let's start with Cristiano Juntoli. We've known for a while that he had agreed to terms with Juventus, but what we didn't know, at least not for certain, was whether De Laurentiis would actually let him go. He waited until the 30th of June, basically the final day that he could release Juntoli from his contract. Then De Laurentiis almost never lets players go to Juventus, do you think it was wise to allow the guy who was probably the maybe second best sporting director in the league behind Beppe Marotta go to a direct rival? It is a bit out of character, I must say. I was not expecting De Laurentiis to let him go. My thinking is that behind the scenes, there must have been some internal discussions between him and Juntuli or perhaps him and the Juventus brass that... If he's throwing them a bone, they're going to somehow maybe have to throw us a bone or make up for the fact because he could have very easily kept Juntili at home. And although maybe he could have still done some, had some influence over Juventus transfer market, because unless ADL taps his uh, phone, you never know if he's having discussions and stuff, but he could have stopped him from working there in an official capacity, like we've seen him do with the player version of that with Milik and others in the past. So my thinking is that. Maybe he is leaving, trying to leave on somewhat good terms in order to benefit from that down the road. That's the only thing I can uh, think of that makes sense for his character. Yeah, it is difficult to comprehend why De Laurentiis would let him go rather than to just freeze Juntoli out for a year. Because once Juntoli asked to leave, I think we all knew that no matter what happened with his contract, he wasn't going to perform his duties as a sporting director as, at Napoli this season. I mean, either we'd freeze him out or we'd let him leave. And I think that was kind of confirmed by his absence at Rudy Garcia's first press conference at the Capodimonte Museum. According to the media, Napoli will save about four to five million euros in salary 
and sort of other amounts owed to Juntoli. I guess he was owed some money and bonuses and things like that. So I'm sure that was probably appealing to De Laurentiis, especially considering who the potential replacements are. We're going to come back to those names in just a second. But first, I want to touch on Juntoli's, I guess, legacy and what that will be for Napoli fans. Or let's start, Stephen, with you, actually, because you're probably the more objective out of the three of us here. You know, if for a second we sort of... (laughs) (laughs) If for a second we ignore the club that he is going to and just focus strictly on the players that Juntoli brought to Napoli, how would you rate his time at Napoli? I was kind of checking before we started on the big players or the top players, if we want to call it that. If you look at the Scudetto winning squads and you look at the, the players that he directly brought to the club, Mario Rui, Di Lorenzo, Kvaratskelia, Rachmani, Zielinski, Kim Min-Jay, Wabotka, Angisa, Ozimen, he is responsible for basically constructing the entire squad that made history. So I guess it's a bit like De Laurentiis. In some ways, not everyone is going to be happy with things that they do. Both of them have had to make big decisions. I guess for Juntoli, this is his biggest decision to actually leave to go to a direct rival. And for Napoli fans, the most you know despised rival of any club in Syria, you know, for historical reasons, for you know, many other reasons. And it's a difficult one because you could one way of looking at it is you could say he's tainted his legacy by going to Juventus. If you look on the other side, he constructed a squad that for the first time in 33 years did something that for many Napoli fans, it didn't seem possible. You know, with so many years, so many disappointments, second places, but he actually brought in all these players. I mean, honestly, if we look at Kim Min-Jae, who we're probably going to talk about a bit more, lots of Napoli fans, not that they'd never heard of him, but he was regarded as a pretty, I don't know, risky signing. The only reason that I probably knew more about him than most people was because I'd lived in Korea. I watched the Korean national team who I kind of supported when I was there. And he was one of the emerging players that developed and he wasn't talked about a lot. And it always surprised me that when he actually first moved to Europe, that he went to Fenerbahce, I thought that he would go directly to one of the top five leagues. And it was always kind of a mystery to me that, especially in Syria, they didn't look at Korean players more. I don't know if the Anjung Wan, uh, Perugia, scandal and nonsense, all that, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know if it closed the door or if it kind of, you know, set something in people's minds. He made some amazing signings. Of course, it's easy to say that in hindsight. Many of these players that he brought in, you could have said, well, these are all hit or miss, you know, as are so many big signings. But I guess if you, there's a few different ways to look at it. I completely understand the people that will be really bitter about the manner and the club that he's gone to. But I guess if we look at the bigger picture, which is always kind of difficult for a lot of people, Napoli are the Serie A champions. Even just to say that still feels quite surreal in a way. And he is a big part of that. Absolutely. I definitely think that public opinion has been swayed by the club he chose to go to. Because we're, you know, we went from, let's say maybe around Christmas time, we were all calling him the GOAT because of how well Cavada was playing. Napoli's leading the league, looking like real serious contenders to win the Scudetto and then now we have fans saying yeah but you know he didn't do it alone we have Michele and Mantovani that are doing the scouting for him we have people listing the players that didn't work out on social media 
it felt like people were trying to now discredit the work he had done because of the team that he chose to go to, you know, and I even responded to one of these tweets just to, I really did it as an exercise for myself and I was kind of blown away by it. But even these lists of players that supposedly didn't work out, really didn't work out on the field, they still ended up being profitable for Napoli when you factor in amortization and things like that. And very much in line with sort of the business model of Napoli, which is that when you're buying these relative unknowns or guys, you know, maybe didn't work out or, or whatever the reason might be that that their price tag is pretty low, it's very much a low risk, high reward game, right? If if they don't work out, they didn't cost us that much. And we probably even break even when we sell them. You know, we think of some guys like Simona Verdi where, you know, somehow we cashed in on these guys and made pretty decent profits. But when they do work out, you're talking about guys like Kim going for 50, 60 million, Osiman 150 million, or whatever the number ends up being, Cavada, probably the same thing. So to me, if we're thinking about his legacy at Napoli, you got to put aside the whole Juventus decision, as difficult as that may be. But Vin, what do you think about Juntoli's legacy being a Napoli fan? I mean, I feel like I've converted Steven to a Napoli fan anyways. He's where I was laughing earlier because he's wearing a Napoli shirt <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> so then, you know, how do you look at this whole thing? Well, no, the work Juntoli did at uh, Napoli over the past, uh, what is it? Eight seasons has been incredible. Of course it's done. He's a part of a team. There are people who are specializing in scouting and, and all of that. There's a whole ecosystem, which we have to give ADL credit for setting up around him. But he has done a phenomenal job. In my opinion, he's probably one of the best, if not the best sporting director in Italy in terms of discovering players who are not yet known. A lot of other teams, they're able to sign bigger players on free transfers and this type of thing. But these are all players that anybody can name. So I think he's done phenomenally well. And, and that's why it stings even more that he's going to a team like Juventus because it's almost worse in a way than a player going because he knows the inner workings of our club. He understands the minutiae and the details and the subtlety of now what's going to be his main rival. You know what I mean? So in terms of the work he's done, I am not poo-pooing that in any sense of the word because he's going to Juventus. It's because I respect him so much for his work that it really burns that he's gone of all places to Juve. I really wish that if he felt that it was the time to move on, which I can totally understand after being somewhere for eight years, after achieving what he's achieved, I wish he could have gone, let's say, to the Prem or another league and shown that he can do it in another league. I know there are teams like Chelsea or Man United who lack a sporting director right now. I would have loved to see Juntili go to a team like that and show what he can do rather than go to Juventus. So it doesn't take away from the work he did at Napoli nor does it take away from the fact that he was a big contributor to this league title, which we've waited so long for. But for him to be in the midst of winning that league title for us and already talking to Juventus and planning on going there does not sit well with me at all. And it's that kind of betrayal that taints his legacy for me, but doesn't, doesn't mean that he didn't do good work for us, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, one thing I actually did not know until I listened to the uh, latest episode of the Italian Football Podcast 
which was all about Napoli, was that apparently he's he was a Juventus fan growing up. So, I mean, it always seems to be that way. We always find out after people move to Juve that they were, or Milan or Inter, that they were happened to be fans of those clubs. But, you know, maybe that was the reason. I know he lives in the North, and, and I think that influenced his decision as well, being able to be closer to his family and so on. I made this point a while ago, but if you look at, actually, it doesn't even apply anymore because the point I had previously made was if you look at the other northern clubs, Inter have Marotta. He's not going anywhere. They'd be crazy to let him go. And at the time, Milan had Maldini, <laughs> um, and he's no longer there. But I guess, you know, the whole money ball thing, they probably don't want to be paying 5 million euros a season to their sporting director. So if you wanted to work for one of the big three clubs, Juve was probably the the most likely. One other comment I wanted to respond to is I saw some people also noting how Juntoli benefited from Napoli just as much as Napoli benefited from Juntoli in the sense that prior to his time at Napoli, he had only worked for Carpi, which is true, right? I think I think everybody benefited from this relationship, but it's worth noting that the Laurentiis didn't just hire him as a gesture of goodwill, right? Like we, that's not, that's not how De Laurentiis operates. And I actually wrote, I had forgotten this a, a few years ago, I wrote an article on what has come to be known as the miracle of Carpi, which was Juntoli's story at, at Carpi. When he started there, which was only a couple of years after he finished his playing career, which was not a spectacular career, you know, as a player, they were in Sedi D. And in six seasons or five seasons at Carpi, he earned promotion from Serie D all the way up to Serie A. And that's when De Laurentiis came in and hired him. So even that argument that, well, we kind of made Juntoli because he was just a guy from Carpi, to me, it doesn't hold water entirely. But I agree. I'm, I'm very conflicted. I give him all the credit in the world for, for winning the Scudetto along with that team. But there is a bit of a sort of Judas feeling that he that he picked Juventus of all clubs to go to. Very quickly, I mentioned potential replacements for Juntoli. We've been linked to a few different names, nothing super serious. We, you know, there was brief mention of Ili Tare because he was no longer at Lazio. Now there's some mentions here and there about Ricky Masada because he's no longer at Milan. Chiro Polito, who was the sporting director at Bari, was another name. I really wanted Empoli's Pietro Accardi, but he elected to stay at Empoli a little bit longer. Though it was never rumored, one guy that I really would have liked to see come back to Napoli would be Pierpaolo Marino, who's no longer the sporting director, CEO, whatever his title was at Udinese. Just looking at the players that they've brought in and, and sold over the years. But personally, I don't think we're going to hire anyone. I mean, there's been some talk about promoting Michele and Mantovani. Juntoli's right-hand man, Giuseppe Pompilio, did not go with Juntoli to Juventus. There was a point in time where there were rumors that he would go with Juntoli, and he ended up staying. So he's another one. Maybe he gets a promotion. And then <laughs> my favorite of them all, but it's actually not as crazy as it sounds, is Valentina De Laurentiis' daughter, She's married to a man named Antonio Sinicropi, and he's rumored as a potential candidate for this role. And so that sounds like, okay, he's just hiring his son-in-law, but he was actually the team manager at Bari. So he worked with Chiro Polito last season. And it sounds like what's probably going to happen is that De Laurentiis is going to take on some of the burden and 
Sidney Kropi, if he assumes that role, he would help out with, you know, talking to agents and talking to clubs and that sort of thing. So it sounds like they're planning on just keeping the existing staff. Everyone assumes a little bit more responsibility and that way they save a couple million euros. By the way, Valentina is also now the head of sales and marketing. She assumed that role after the departure of Alessandro Formizano. He moved on after 17 years with the club. So it does feel a little bit like ADL is kind of keeping everything really close to the family at the moment. But we'll see how it goes. I, I tend to been, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to feel quite comfortable with the situation, even with Juntoli leaving that. You know, we've had this track record of making fantastic signings for almost 20 years now that I'm willing to trust in De Laurentiis on this decision. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to go with whatever the big man thinks. And if he feels like he can bridge the gap for a season, then I think that's fine and see how it goes. By next year, if he feels he needs to bring in a specialist for that role, then I think he can do that during the season or, or by next summer. Yeah, exactly. And then if it doesn't work out, he could just fire his son-in-law and maybe end that relationship while he's at it. So maybe he doesn't like his son-in-law. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about Napoli's Korean drama that I mentioned and the new schedule, which was released on Wednesday. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Forza Napoli pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at forzanapolipress.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about Kim Min Jae. We've known for a while now that he is most likely going to leave Napoli. He was linked to Manchester United for a little while before Bayern Munich stepped up. The reports are that the release clause they will have to pay is somewhere in the 50 to 60 million euro range. Some people are saying 58 million. Some are saying 50. It's somewhere in that range. Maybe we'll find out at some point. So we're still going to make a decent profit on a player who only spent one season at Napoli. Steven, a lot of Napoli fans are frustrated with Kim for using Napoli as a stepping stone, but given the financial disparity between the super clubs, right, like the EPL plus Bayern, Real Madrid, Barcelona, PSG, and pretty much everybody else, should we just accept this now as sort of the new norm, sad as that might be? I mean, it is pretty disappointing. It's a situation that when Kim joined, I don't think anyone could have foreseen, first of all, how well he would do. And then I don't think after winning the Scudetto, you would think he would want more, especially as Napoli realistically have a great chance in the Champions League again if they keep this squad intact. So to leave after one season, it is pretty disappointing, I think. However, he's, what, 26 years old? He spent some of his career in China Maybe he feels as though he doesn't have a lot of time left. There's been a lot of successful Korean players in the Bundesliga in Germany. Son, of course, Son Ung-min, he, he played there. He started his career there. Even if we go way back in time to the great uh, Cha Bum Kun, who was one of the great Asian players of all time, he played in Germany. So, I mean, there are circumstances, I guess, for Korean players to do well in Germany. But for Napoli, I guess they've made a big profit. He was an integral part of the team that won the Scudetto. 
there's not really much more that you can ask from him. However, I would have been pretty disgruntled, I guess, if he'd gone to the English Premier League because I think if he'd gone to Manchester United, it's definitely not a step down, obviously, because they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. However, in recent years, they haven't played particularly well. They've struggled with coaches, with cohesion, with competing against, you know, Manchester City. And I mean, realistically, he's not going to win the title with Manchester United, I don't think. I don't want to upset anyone out there who's a massive Man United fan, but I don't think he would realistically win the title there. With Bayern Munich, you're more or less guaranteed domestic success. They obviously see him and Harry Kane or whoever else they're going to bring in as part of this squad that they want to win the Champions League again. If they get him, it's definitely enhanced their chances. For Napoli, sometimes I think in football, and we've we've all watched football and endured so many departures and people that we loved leaving, I think we have to be grateful that he even played for Napoli because I, I really think that he will go on and improve and he will be regarded as one of the very best. I mean, I still think it's quite amazing that considering how well he played for Napoli, he was still not regarded as, you know, even a top 10 or top 15 or top 20 centre-back in the world. It's this continued narrative, which as a Scot, we got all the time from the English Premier League that every single player in the English Premier League must be ranked as the best in the world just because they play in the English Premier League. Now, the top six, let's say, in the English Premier League, fantastic. If you go underneath that, you're not really telling me that, you know, that's a step up from Napoli. If you leave Napoli and you go to any of these clubs, so I guess going to Bayern Munich, you can definitely regard it as an advancement in his career. However, I don't know. I mean, time will tell. It might not work out for him there, but I mean, we know the type of player he is. It probably will, given his, you know, tenacity and his mentality. He will make it work, whatever happens. I mean, the big thing that we're probably going to talk about is who to replace him because he is probably, you would say, along with Lobotka, Di Lorenzo, one of the real irreplaceables. Who do you get to fill the gap left by such a, you know, all-round fantastic player? Yeah, for sure. And Osiman's probably the other guy you throw into that list. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, he's a given. Yeah, he's a given. Obviously, <laughs> he's, he's way, way, way up at the top. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. With Bayern, you know, you're most likely going to win the league. They probably have a better chance of winning the Champions League than Manchester United do. Um, you mentioned top 10 center backs in the world. ESPN just released their top 100 players and they break it down by positions. And I couldn't believe that, if I'm not mistaken, Kim was not in the top 10. And to your point, they put Man City players up and down all of these lists. And, and, and don't Lubanka. get me wrong. Lubanka yeah. was nowhere. Like, Lubanka yeah. was absolutely nowhere. Like, what, what has he done? Like, I think we said before, and I'm sure it's been mentioned many times, has he secretly done something to like upset like some Illuminati or hierarchy? Like, what has yeah. he done? I mean, he was outstanding. Well, we all know that Lobotka is a ladies' man, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must he must have been getting around and upset a lot of people. Vin, I'll ask you a similar question I asked you about Juntoli. Kim was obviously a key part of Napoli's Scudetto winning run. Does his abrupt departure change your opinion of him in any way? I mean, it's a little bit different because he's not going to a direct rival, but, you know, only one season. Well, as you know, I was an early convert. I was early on the Kim train before he came, and uh, I fell in love with the player, and he was the first kid I got at the beginning of last season, the number three and then we went on to win our third Scudetto. So I think something was written in the stars about Kim coming and 
You know, I look at it very differently, the situation with Kim, as I do with Juntali. First of all, to Stephen's point, Kim was under the radar for a long time. It's not easy to break out of Korea and to break out of the Asian League simply because teams are not, at least in the past, have not been shopping there as much. So he arrived to this stage in a big league much later in his career than other players of half of his ability from other parts of the world would have. So I think, you know, in an alternate universe, if Kim is from Serbia or he's from Brazil, he comes to Napoli when he's 23 instead and probably is happy to stay three or four seasons before then going to move on. But if you notice, he did the exact same thing at Fenerbahce last year. He went there. He was the best defender in the league by far. Then he left. He upgraded, you could say, to Napoli and upgraded in terms of prestige, in terms of chances of winning big trophies, in terms of money. And I think, you know, when his management put in that one year release clause, you know, a release clause after one year, they were anticipating that this guy is going to kill it. He is one of the best defenders in the world. And then that will allow him to then be free and go on to a big club. Also, to Stephen's point, I completely agree. It feels way better him going to Bayern Munich, one of those classic big European teams, than to go to a squad like Manchester United, where, yes, it would be an upgrade in terms of money. It would be an upgrade in terms of marketability factor. But on the field, Man United are nowhere near the glory days of the Ferguson years. And even now, if things are somewhat trending in an upward direction, I don't think they're going to come close to like Man City or anything like that next year. So... Um, I will always appreciate the performances that Kim gave unbelievable level every single game of the season, barring that four nil loss after he had already complained about being overused on international duty. He was like a 10 out of 10, every single game in the season. It was unbelievable. He brought us a Scudetto. We're going to make 30 to 40 million on him. It hurts to lose him because of the fact that I don't think we can get anyone as good as him. But I do trust our team to, you know, hopefully get someone close. We'll get into that in a bit. So I just want to say I wish Kim the best of luck. I would have loved him to stay longer and given us an even better chance of repeating and going far in the Champions League. But I can totally get behind him. I'll always follow him in his career. And, and I hope that, you know, he's able to make, make up for the money lost by being in smaller leagues in the first half of his career over the next five, six years of his prime. You know, he'll be 27 in November and players usually finish their prime, let's say around 32. So he's got maybe five more years at the top and I wish him all the best unless it's Bayern Munich versus Napoli in the Champions League. Then I hope he doesn't have a good game. Other than that, all the best of luck to Kim and I'll always look back with great memories on the performances he gave us. Very well said. To the point about United, Man City have basically become the Bayern or the PSG of the EPL now. So, you know, if you're if you're picking kind of the top team in each league, he picked the top team in Germany. I think you made a great point also about the release clause. I can't remember where I read it, but I, I think I did read somewhere that that was a condition of him signing with Napoli. In other words, he was not going to join without a release clause, which suggests that at the very least, when we agreed to that contract, this was a risk we signed up for, right? This could happen if he was that good. Someone could step forward and pay that release clause. I'm annoyed that he's leaving, but it's only because you think that if we kept this squad intact, maybe even if Spalletti stayed, although 
you wonder if people would have started to figure Spalletti out a little bit, but it really did feel like given the sort of condition, the state of the league and and the financial parity, I guess you can say, or how the, the financial struggles of the big teams have created parity that Napoli could have turned this into a dynasty. I'm not saying that they can't now with Garcia and Kim leaving, but it does feel like it might be a little bit more difficult. On the other hand, if you said to me last summer, we're going to replace Koulibaly with Kim, he's going to end up being the best defender in the league, and you're going to win a Scudetto, but we're only going to allow that to happen if you agree to sell Kim after only one season, despite all of those accomplishments. I would say, where do I sign up, right? Like, at the end of the day, I'll do anything for that Scudetto. So, you know, maybe we look at this as sort of just, it was a necessary, not sacrifice, but necessary change. And at the end of the day, we still got that Scudetto and that can't be taken away from us. Now, I think part of the frustration is because Kim was such a likable figure, you know, both on and off the pitch. As I said, best defender in Serie A, which makes us wonder how Kim's departure will affect the club. And that brings me to a tweet from someone named Zach Lowey that (laughs) triggered a bunch of Napoli fans, myself included. I'm just going to read the tweet and then I'll get both of your thoughts on this. He said, Rudy Garcia is somewhat of an underwhelming appointment for Napoli, but if they can replace Kim Min-Jae in defense, bring in a new right winger and midfield depth and keep hold of Osiman and Kavada, they can definitely push for a top four, <laughs> top four again next season. Then I'll start with you. I mean, my response was, how does all of those things happening mean Napoli don't win the Scudetto? They just push for a top four spot. I think it's either he's never watched the league or he's doing that just to get the clickbait and to enrage people because objectively, not because I'm a Napoli fan. Look at the distance between Napoli and every other team this year. Look at the quality of the starting 11 and the bench players. Is Kim a big loss and Spalletti a big loss? Yes, but the state of the other big clubs, there's a lot of issues at Inter. They need to break even to buy a player. In order to sign a decent player, they need to let a good player go. Milan are in complete shambles and they're selling their best players and replacing them with Chelsea leftovers. Juventus, they are getting a good piece with Juntoli, but they still have Allegri there coaching like it's a 1980 Trapattoni style. And I just do not see how Napoli, if we replace Kim and get an upgrade right winger and midfield depth, can only fight for top four. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous to me of a statement. I, and someone who speaks that way, I can't take them seriously as a journalist or as a, even as a fan, quite frankly. Yeah, and then if you go further down the list, I mean, Lazio, I think Lazio will be a strong team, but playing in the Champions League, if they don't add the depth that they've always been missing, it's going to be difficult for them to compete on multiple fronts. Roma, I've actually really liked the guys they've brought in all on free transfers. But the reason they're doing these free transfers is because they weren't able to come up with, they needed to only make 30 million euros on sales to you know comply with FFP regulations or whatever. And they couldn't even do that. So they're going to be very limited in terms of how they can build their squad. Maybe they'll get Skamaka. Inter seems to be, once again, Marotta saves Inter and, and they're doing really well once again. So a lot of people are now reporting that Inter are the favorites. But again, that just means 
Napoli are still competing with them for the Scudetto, you know, to say top four, I think is a little, a little crazy. Steven, do you sort of concur with that? Well, I think we talked about Twitter before. It's such a difficult place. That <laughs> I, I don't want to comment on anyone individually because I think it just creates someone cancelling or blocking somebody just for no reason. So I was thinking about kind of, even if, well, Kim is going to go, like I kind of thought of this summer as like the Kim saga, the Juntali saga, like just it keeps going on and on, the same stories every day. And I feel sorry for the journalists that have to report this, by the way, because I mean, I was a journalist full time and I'm kind of looking to get back to kind of doing that more or less. And when you're reporting on the same stuff every day, it kind of... Uh, affects you kind of mentally as well when essentially nothing happens but you have to update it constantly and basically make something out of nothing so i can completely understand why some journalists or bloggers or someone will speculate or make these you know claims i mean for me even if kim leaves and you've got the current squad intact as it is you would think minimum is top four that's the minimum like you look at the squad and the depth of the squad and all the players that have signed long-term contracts and we know are going to be guaranteed there. You're talking about the likes of, you know, Merit, Di Lorenzo, Lobotka, Anguissa, Simeone, Raspadori. You know, there's so many great players that even if you were to field essentially a reserve team, Napoli would still be top four, at least you would think. I mean, if you look at the league, it's funny because I think the financial problems in Italian football generally have made the clubs be more creative in their scouting and their approach they can't spend the same ridiculous amounts of money that we were used to in kind of the old days of when Calcio, you know, ruled the world. For me, that doesn't diminish the product or it doesn't demean it. What kind of bothers me so much is there's so many people that write constantly about Italian football in very high positions and all they do is write negative stuff about it. There are still great players in Italian football. And I kind of look at it from a kind of overall perspective because I love Italian football and Serie A and have done for many, many years. So, for example, Inter signing Fratesi for me is a great signing that strengthens the league. Okay, Tonali went to Newcastle United. There are reasons for that. But I agree with Vincenzo. Some of the guys that they're going to sign are maybe not the quality that you would expect. However, there are other guys like uh, Reinders, uh, Azed Alkmaar, who I think is actually a fantastic player. Watched him quite a few times in the Conference League. And I actually thought he was someone that Napoli should look at. I, I really think he's an underrated player. So... There are players that will come in that will enhance the league, but just in different ways. It might not be the top level of players. But then again, we kind of look at the Saudi revolution as well, which probably don't want to talk about, you know, for <laughs> various reasons. But they are buying not necessarily the best players, but big name players. Does that mean that everyone is going to switch and watch the Saudi league? I don't think so. Who's going to realistically tune in to watch the Saudi league? I don't think there's going to be a massive shift from the audiences that watch English Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. It's a difficult one, but even if Napoli lost another couple of players, I still think that they would be up at the very top. And again, we go back to Juntili, De Laurentiis, various other people. As Vincenzo rightly pointed out, there's been a number of people that have constructed this squad over the years for success, and we're seeing it now. And I don't see any reason why it can't continue. Just throwing this out there, but my son who's six years old, knows two Saudi teams now, <laughs> Al Nasser and Al Itihad. So who knows, maybe in a sort of a generation, there might be a shift. But yeah, I completely agree. Like if you look at you know what league has had four different winners in four seasons, right? So you don't have to have 
all the top most talented players in the league to have a competitive league. And I think that's what we have and said, yeah, and that's great for the product. Now, if we could just get the people who run the league to sort of capitalize on that rather than making poor decisions, then, you know, that would be good for the league as well. Let's quickly touch on maybe not the specific individuals that have been linked to Napoli as potential replacements for Kim, just because there are so many of them. But, you know, there have been different reports in terms of how much Napoli are willing to spend on a replacement. Then we've seen $25 million thrown out there by a few journalists and that Napoli are looking to spend 2 to $3 million on on the salary of the replacement. I think the salary part is fine, but looking at how clubs are pricing their players, whether it's Scalvini at Atalanta, Ibanez even at Roma, who nobody even wants, Lenormand, Koch, all these guys, they're all being priced at €40 million. Euros. Do you think that needs to be sort of the ballpark that Napoli are kind of shopping in? There are a couple of players we've been linked to you could probably get in that 20 million euro range, but it's a much shorter list at this point. Yeah, I think it's all about context. I mean, we got Kim for 20 million, but that was again because he was severely underrated because he was coming from Korea and was in Turkey. But if we're looking at players who are, whether it's Danso is in France, Lenormand is in La Liga, Kilman is in England. So all these players, I won't list them all, but you know, they're all in major leagues. There is a dearth of great center back talent right now. And I think teams realize if you bring in a, a really talented, well-rounded center back, how important that can be. And it also doesn't work in Napoli's favor that everybody knows that Kim is leaving, right? And that we are making a 30 to 40 million profit on Kim. So negotiation wise, that doesn't really help us. Teams know that we're going to be needing to replace him with somebody good in order to continue with this team and trying to be at the same level. So looking at the context of what's going on with this transfer market, it seems to me we're probably going to have to go closer to the 35, 40 million mark, unless there is somebody in an unknown league that our scouts have spotted that aren't being spoken about, which I wouldn't be completely surprised by. But if it's any of the ones that have been brought up, it looks like that's around the ballpark. And, you know, frankly, even though I'm sure De Laurentiis would prefer to spend around 25 to get them, I can see him going as high as 35 to 40 million for center back because, frankly, he spent that on Manolas. And although he was a bust, I just think that if he's been willing to go there in the past and we made 30 to 40 million profit on Kim, that if push comes to shove and the player fits the profile that Napoli likes to sign where he's young and hopefully unlike Kim can sign a long-term contract. If we sign someone 25, 26, they can be with us till they're 30 and, and be that solid guy that we can build upon. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And I trust our scouting department and ADL to get us someone who perhaps is not on the level of Kim, but is at least as close as we can get realistically. If we're talking about guys who do fit into that 20 million euro ballpark, there's guys like Ko Itakura of Borussia Mönchengladbach, Armel Belakotrap of Southampton, and Danilo Doecki of Union Berlin. But there's also been reports, the guy that we've been most heavily linked to lately is Max Kilman at Wolverhampton. And there have been reports that Napoli have offered 35 million for him. So if that's true, then that's already sort of a counter argument to this 25 million cap. And it's important to remember as well that De Laurentiis has now set the Champions League. He may be a far-fetched goal, but he set that as the target. And I think he's being genuine. So 
past behavior may not even be a great indicator of what he's going to do going forward. One thing, no matter what we think about De Laurentiis, is that he's an innovator and he's an evolver, right? And whether it's getting rid of Junto Lee or cleaning house last season and getting rid of all those players, he seems to do these things and, and get his timing right. We're just about out of time, so I'm going to give Stephen the final word on Kim replacements, and then we're going to scrap the discussion on the, the season uh, schedule. But maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll write a piece for the website, and I'll, I'll get you guys to give me some of your thoughts on the schedule, and we can work that into an article for the website. But Stephen, I'll let you have the final word on possible Kim replacements. Well, I think one of the interesting things that De Laurentiis said was he specifically mentioned the Japanese player or players, which was kind of a curious comment to make because as far as I'm aware, there's not any big club that specifically targets one specific you know, nationality and says, okay, we're going to go for, you know, we must buy a Croatian player or we must buy a Montenegrin striker or something like that. So that was kind of a curious thing because it was also mentioned to do with merchandise or potential sponsorship. I don't think there's mega millions to be made from Japanese sponsorships or tie-ins because there's not one giant Japanese star at the moment, certainly not in terms of Shunsuke Nakamura, who was at Celtic, who was a really huge star, and then Hidetoshi Nakata, who was a huge star in Italy for Parma and Roma. He also played for one other club. Did he play for Fiorentina as well, I think? I hope I, hope I haven't got this wrong. But anyway, there's nobody that I can think of that you could say, okay, Here's another Kim Min Jae, but he plays in the J League or he plays in the Bundesliga. The guys that they've they've talked about, we we need Patrick Kendrick, the great commentator here, because I was looking at pronunciations because I don't want to get it wrong. You guys will know from your own names and my name, my surname, like my whole life. You just don't expect anyone to pronounce it. But anyway, the two guys that they talked about are Hiroki Ito and Ko Itakura. Both of them, I guess, Japanese internationals, potential signings. The problem that you both mentioned is that Kim was such a high level that anyone you get, they're kind of loathe to use the word downgrade, but they're just they're not going to be at the same kind of level of performance that Vincenzo mentioned, that he played to such a high level every single week. Like there was never any let down. There was very few games where you could say, okay, he was a six or seven out of ten. You know, if you look at like the the ratings, you know, that they always do in the Italian papers. The other guys that have been mentioned, Scalvini, I know that a lot of people are divided about him. I, I like Scalvini a lot. I think he's worth the money. The big issue is if they're prepared to reinvest the entire transfer fee, is it going to be 50 million or 58 million? As you said, Joe, how much are they prepared to invest? If they want to target the Champions League and they want to win the Scudetto again, which would just be unbelievable, they really have to spend some money. And if they're actually receiving this money, you're not going to break any budget. You're not going to financially ruin the club so why not get this money and any potential profits that you made from Champions League progress and other things and invest invest it in someone who's actually you know worth it Kilman Lenormand I'm really just not sure because I don't know if, about you guys I just haven't seen enough of them to make a proper judgment about their consistency and if they fit immediately into the team the one thing that I do think that we haven't mentioned is that the backups one Jesus and Ostergaard. We talked about this before, I think, Joe, maybe like online. I'm just not sure that they are reliable, even for three or four games. 
they are dependable. If you you say, okay, Rachmani or whoever comes in is injured, they go immediately in. I wouldn't be 100% sure that they would be up to the task. But that's not a slight on them personally. I think they're both good players in their own ways. They both have their own attributes. It's just when you go from Kim and you're going to put these players into the team, I would be potentially worried that there's a difficult set of fixtures. And then if you lose a game or you draw a game, I think Inter are going to be strong next season. We don't know what's going to happen with Juventus and Milan, but I think they will both be potentially stronger. Roma could challenge Lazio. I've kept the majority of their squad. They're going to be good. So that would be my only potential worry about you know the competition. I also think that they should look at the Asian market in general, Japan, Japanese players in the Bundesliga, Korean players, because there are so many underrated and great players there that are not going to break your budget are potentially good signings. There was a young Korean player, Kim Jisoo, I hope I haven't got that wrong, who went to Brentford, who is someone that I think would have been worth investing. To me, it's a very odd thing that Italian clubs with this new kind of re- financial remodeling, restructuring, why have they not looked at these potential markets where you can get excellent players at a good price who, who can either develop, and even if they don't make the grade, you haven't spent potentially a lot of money on them. It's something that uh, Celtic and Scotland have done extremely well with players. And I think probably Tottenham with Ange Postacoglu, he's going to do that as well. I'm not sure if Napoli have scouts in that area, but I think it's definitely worth having somebody there to look at because this is an area yeah, really of great potential. Finally, I just hope that they spend the money that they get for Kim. They don't be financially prudent because why not spend it to go for bigger targets. Why not? This is the time to do it. This is like, I think when we look back in history, this is going to be one of the great historical periods for Napoli, just like the great Maradona teams. So why not go for it and see how far you can go, what you can achieve? Yeah, and it'll pay itself back just with Champions League revenue, right? On the point about targeting someone from Japan, I I think you might have taken for granted a little bit how Napoli does international marketing because that is our entire international marketing strategy just sign a player from another country and and hope the whole country becomes a fan and buys all the uh, the merchandise on Scalvini I love him as a player I just don't think he's the right fit for Napoli based on the system that he's played in and his style and the style that we play I completely agree I mean a lot of these guys they seem to be players that I know because I read 15 articles about them every day and the prices or whatever but all i really know about them is youtube compilations and how reliable are those for me i'm perfectly comfortable with juan jesus and leo ostegard as the backups and slotting in for a couple games i mean we've seen jesus do that when rachmani got hurt for example i'm just not comfortable with them being the other starter right and i think that's where we need to bring in someone else and then on the point about looking in other markets I wouldn't be surprised if Napoli are already doing that. And and going back to what we were talking about earlier about teams having to now take this approach, I think that's where Napoli have a huge advantage over the big three because historically they would just throw their weight around and spend a lot of money and bring in players that way. This is what Napoli have been doing for 20 years. This is our expertise, right? So I think that gives us an advantage. Now, when everybody else has to start doing what we've been doing for two decades, you know, I feel like we're in a, a bit of a better position there. Okay, that is all we have time for today. It absolutely flew by. Like I said, we'll, we'll get an article up on the uh, the website on the schedule. But uh, Vin, thanks for taking the time to come on. 
Thanks again, Joe. Happy to be here and share the time with Stephen. It was a great conversation and hopefully we have some more uh, in the future. Yeah, for sure. I got to figure out something to do for the next uh, month and a half or whatever it is before the season starts. So yeah, we'll definitely do that again, Stephen. It's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you guys. Uh, great to talk about Italian football, Calcio in general and Napoli, of course. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, you're now an Apple fan, so you know we'll we'll be cheering alongside each other, and well, maybe we'll cheer a little bit for Santori and Serie B as well. <laughs> we'll see how, how that goes. I mean, Pirlo, that's a that's a good sign, right? You can find Vincenzo on Twitter at VinBnapoli. You can find Steven on Twitter at Skashevich. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti five, and you can find the podcast at Fortsanapoli Pod. If you like the show please share it with a friend and leave us a rating and or a review on your favorite podcast platform i'm not exactly sure when i'll be back but you know i try to do about one episode a week in the summer and if there's anything worthwhile to discuss then uh, we'll do another episode maybe you know we have this event coming up on the 10th which we'll see if there's anything worthwhile to talk about i'm pretty sure it's going to be just to announce i don't even think we're going to see the new napoli shirt i think it's just going to be to announce that MSC is the new main shirt sponsor. We learned today that uh, Aqualeta is is finally no longer the sponsor after something like 17 or 18 years as uh, the main shirt sponsor. So we'll see, you know, if we have enough content to produce a whole episode out of that. And then we have the Retiro at uh, Di Maro Folgarida just around the corner. So there will be plenty to discuss. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.